Hey everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia, back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast. And I am joined today by Jay Morrison, does an amazing job covering the Cincinnati Bengals for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter as I read his Twitter page right now, Jay Morrison, A-T-H, all one word. Jay, I've got to tell you, after nearly two months of following this team, um, I'm ready for the regular season to begin simply because I want to see the starters start playing football. Yeah, I was ready two months ago. Are you kidding? I mean, it's... The, the, the preseason training camp, it, you have to go through it. Just like the players, the media yep. have to go through it. Um, but it is a grind. It gets repetitive. Um, there's not a lot of interesting things that happen in the games. And, yes, that's it. not just ready to watch Bengals Steelers, ready to watch Rams Bills Thursday night, ready to watch real football all across the league. Um, it's just it, – it. I know it's been this way for a long time. I remember – I'm old enough to remember when they actually started on Labor Day – and now they start the weekend after Labor Day, and it just feels like it's never going to get here. And now all of a sudden, here we are, and where are you at? 96 hours away. So um, one reason I actually did enjoy watching the Bengals preseason this year is because we really didn't have any competition for the starting 22 yeah. for, for, for all intents and purposes. We knew who the place kicker was. Yes, there was competition at the punter spot, as red hot as that was. Uh, Clark Harris was going to be the holder all the while. But uh, in terms of the depth spots, especially to me on the offensive line and the secondary, those were those were two areas I had my eye on really the entire preseason. And I don't know if I feel that much better about the Bengals depth um, after the preseason than I did before. I actually, you know, I think in certain areas they have great depth. Um, I think they're going to be very good at the linebacker spot. I think their defensive line is going to be outstanding and has mm -hmm. a lot of depth there. And I do think up the middle in the secondary is very, very strong. It's just on the corners that concern me. Yeah, it's funny because I'm in the same boat with you on that D line, but you, you look at it, you say they're really deep there, but it is a lot of young guys that aren't really proven yet. I mean, you got two rookies in the mix there that we haven't seen play uh, a regular right. season game yet. You got Joseph Osai, who didn't play at all last year. Cam Sample played sparingly. So it's it's kind of in that same boat as, as the O-line is, where they you got a bunch of young guys who are unproven as depth there, and then same on the, on the outside at corner. I mean, Alan George, I don't know. He, he had, a, I think, an impressive camp but every time you asked about him it was just the yeah but yeah but every coach you talked to um it was good to see him make you're gonna say that about a rookie though right i mean you yeah, are i i think that's part of where they're coming from on that but it, it was more because you get the you get the praise and then the yeah but and it was always the yeah but came right Im immediately when you know you say oh alan george likes he's having a nice camp and they, they never really went out of their way and i know some coaches were like that they'll never and this coaching right. staff doesn't seem like that they seem to to be willing to to throw praise where it's where it's warranted um and alan george of course now cut earlier this week back on the practice squad so he's not really in the mix he can be called up on game day if need be um, but you're looking at Jalen Davis, uh, Trey Flowers as your guys to step in if if anything happens to a starter or if if Eli Apple struggles. I, I think a lot of people have kind of glossed over that, that you, you say, oh, they've got 10 of 11 starters back. And, um, you know, Eli Apple was really up and down last year. And I think there's an assumption that he's going to be better this year. But there's, 
You know, he he didn't look great in the Super Bowl. He he had games where he he did look a little lost, and now he's missed some time in camp with that groin injury. So uh, it will be interesting to see how he holds up because Cam Taylor Britt is no longer in the picture there. At least you would you, you would think the first half of the season that core muscle surgery he's going to be out for a bit, and they're we not going to rush him. Correct, right? And you know, we all thought he might have a shot of unseating Eli Apple if not week one, week four, week five as it progressed, and that's his timeline has really been pushed back. So I know Lou Anarumo has been pretty strident in regard to this and adamant is a better word uh, about Dax Hill and playing him on the corner, because the assumption is that Dax Hill can play all over the secondary and in a pinch, if they needed him to play outside, could he play outside and would they expose him to that? Even though we didn't see him at least we didn't see him in the preseason play outside. Would they allow him that opportunity to play outside? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, anything at all you say about Dax Hill is a great question because they've played this so close to the vest. They and have. I get it. They don't want to they don't want to tip their game plan, but it's we had a great question on our podcast about uh, are you more interested to see the O-line in in action or or how Dax Hill is going to be used? And it, it, it's, I mean, I, I, I went with O-line and, and I think Paul did too, but Dax Hill, it's such a mystery how they're going to use him, how much they're going to use him. Um, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. And he did move outside some when, when a tight end would split wide and he would guard a tight end, but we had, we didn't really see him cover receivers out there in, in the preseason. So um, it is, it's interesting um, that that was the whole thing when they drafted him was he could play outside. He, they, they pretty much shot down the notion of him playing in the slot. Um, but I guess in a pinch, maybe he would be the the guy that they would go to there. And then maybe it's just a lot of three safety looks. I remember last year, the opener against Minnesota, they played a whole lot of three safety. Um, and so, you know, maybe, maybe that's the direction they go. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I mean, it might be, it might be fun. I know fans that watch the game just like to kind of follow the ball. It might be fun for a series or two, just to kind of keep an eye on 23 and see where he's at, what he's doing. Uh, I think that's a great point. Um, I also think it's interesting if they were to move Dax Hill around, I think Michael Thomas, I'm more and more fascinated by him the more I see him play. And I'm not saying he's a frontline starting safety, right? I'm not mm. saying that at all. But I think he gives them probably a little bit more positional depth than maybe even Brandon Wilson did. Now, you watched, you you covered Brandon Wilson very closely. And Brandon Wilson, as we know, was on um, PUP to start the season. But I think Michael J. Thomas can actually give the Bengals a lot of versatility and depth at the safety spot if somebody goes down. Yeah, I agree. I mean, something's gone very wrong if you're putting Brandon Wilson back there at safety. He is he is on this team to be the kick returner, and that's why uh, not sure that you know he'll ever be activated, even when he comes off pup, because I, I feel like Chris Evans is going to take yeah. that job and run with it. Um, but yeah, and, and Mike Thomas, you know, nine-year veteran, just gives you so much. Uh, voted a captain for special teams, give you so yep. much on on special teams. And I do, I think he's he's solid against the run. He's decent in coverage. Um, if if something were to happen, but and again, it would have to be a lot 
I mean, because you if, if something happens to Jesse or Von Bell, then then Dax Hill kind of slides in there. And then so you're talking about two of those guys going down where Mike Thomas would get in unless they they want to really, really stick with that three safety look. And and then you only need one guy to go down. But I I don't there are other areas on the team I would be concerned if you went that deep in a position group than I would be with Mike Thomas. Uh, speaking of which, the offensive <laughs> line, I assume. Yeah. Let, let's segue like um we know what we're doing here and segue <laughs> to that position that has given Bengal fans nightmares ever since Aaron Donald uh, beat Quentin Spain and didn't push him to the middle and mm. give Joe Burrow an extra second and a half to throw the ball downfield to a wide open Jamar chase. Not that I'm um, speaking uh, or, or uh, spurring Bengal fans to have vivid nightmares of what happened in Super Bowl 56, but the offensive line has been rebuilt. We haven't seen it in the preseason, of course. We've seen it in practice. And I think the concern with a lot of Bengal fans is how is their timing going to be, even the three veterans together when they start the season? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a great question because they are veterans. Um, it's not like you're, you're promoting a couple guys that have been on the team for a while. These guys have all played a lot of football elsewhere, but it, that's the the number one word you hear when you talk about O-line is chemistry and to – to not other than really two practices against the Rams to not have these guys together in, in any kind of competitive yes practice gets competitive but um not like it was with for the Rams and not like it is in preseason games it is a big question and then you throw in Cordell Volson who's a rookie who he, he could really benefit from having a, a cohesive line around him where he just kind of slides in um now he's kind of as far as familiarity, he's kind of on the same page with those the new the three newcomers. So, and and furthermore, you're you're talking about a, a Steelers defense that a Steelers team that went hard. They they had a physical camp. They played in the preseason. They you would think now maybe the the talent of that roster is not as great as it is as the Bengals roster, but you would think they would be a step or two ahead of the Bengals just based on the way they approach the preseason. It's the, the Bengals are going to have to hit the ground running and try to catch up. Yes. Quick. And you know, this we've seen what this league is. It's it, even with Joe Burrow and, and having the faith that you're never out of a game, it's really hard to come back if you fall behind early. So that, that those first couple of series are going to be big for that O-line to kind of find their footing and not just keep Burrow upright, but no false starts, no missed assignments. Um, no, try to limit the pressures. Um, it's it's a tall task. I mean, like I said, those guys have played a lot of football, but they haven't played a lot of football together. I want to see how Lael Collins run blocks because mm. you know in camp when we saw him, we saw him kind of get beat a couple of times in Rams practice. Uh, the one day of the big brawl, he got beat left, he got beat right, he got beat on bull rushes. It was not a good day for Lael yeah. Collins, and that's really the last the lasting memory we have again of Lael Collins in competition right jay i mean we haven't seen him up against much and i want to see him run block because off the right side traditionally you know you run your running side in the national football league if joe mixon can get going in a game like that and you can get the run game going that is the way you answer a physical team like the steelers you run at them and run effectively yeah and and it, i mean Collins doesn't have to be perfect. Joe Mixon's so good at the cutback and and kind of you know making his own holes. But the the Collins thing, it's 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 a great analogy to to what we may see Sunday with Bengal Steelers. He yes, he looked 
poor in that. Let's be fair. It was poor it was in, that, not good, in that joint practice, but he's, he's a guy that's been on non-football injury and on the rehab field and done nothing competitive at all. And here comes a Rams team that's been going at it all through camp and they've got the juices yep. flowing. And so that was a really tough spot to throw him in for his first live action. Um, so is uh, even though he didn't look good, I think he gets a little bit of a pass there because it does take some ramp up time. And it, it, it just kind of follows along with what we talked about earlier, where maybe that's maybe that's what this Bengals offensive line looks like in the first quarter, maybe the first half before they really kind of get their feet set and get the chemistry a little bit better built and they can defend what is an elite defensive line defensive front for the Steelers what does it tell you that Ted Karras was elected by his teammates in the locker room without ever having played a snap with the Bengals as a team captain I think it's huge um you know I kind of prefaced it in my question to Zach where yes this happened two years ago with Joe Burrow and, and Von Bell but you had a team that was really depleted of leadership it was a young team a lot of the the older guys who had been leaders in the past were um i don't know not really quick to buy into zach taylor's system i think of carlos dunlap and, and his antics and forcing his way out of here and so it it was more ripe for for that kind of thing in 2020 this is you're talking about a super bowl roster and a guy comes in and is voted a captain and it it didn't come as a total surprise because you kind of heard people talking about it even before the captain vote where people were, were so impressed with, with who Ted was as a person and who he, he was as a leader vocally by example. And, and honestly, you, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've covered him before, you know how he is. I mean, I can probably count on one hand, the number of guys in that locker room that call me by my first name. And he's yes. one of them. He learned it immediately. And that's just, yep. He's he's got that personality about him. Zach mentioned he's been to every restaurant in town. He's making friends all over the city. That's just who that guy is. And that's that's what you want for a leader, a a guy that's not just focused on his position group. It's kind of he's kind of, you know, a a similar version to Joe Burrow, where he 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 relates to everybody in that locker room. And it's it's as much about football as it is about personality. No question about that. And uh, a shout out to Kyle Williams of the Bengals PR staff in his first year with the Bengals. Mm -hmm. He pointed out in the uh, workroom, I think you were there uh, sitting on the other side for me, that uh, that uh, Ted Karras was also a team captain in Miami with the Dolphins. And it just kind of reminded me that, you know, wherever he's been, he's had that influence uh, around his teammates with the Patriots. He had so many other leaders around him, obviously the quarterback, but the offensive line as well, uh, that, you know, there were many people that could help him in that leadership role. I think it's critical for a guy like Ted Karras in a position where there's a lot of uncertainty, at least going into the season on how they're going to perform, how they're going to blend together uh, to start the year. Uh, for a guy like that to be appointed that role and to kind of stabilize things. And that's what, you know, both, uh, I think, figuratively and literally, the Bengals are looking for is somebody to be the glue along that offensive line. Yeah, and could you pick a better person to to stick a rookie fourth round pick next to to, to learn his yes. way in this league? I mean, he, he's literally going to learn at the hip of Ted Karras, and uh, it's it's. I mean, it's not it's not easy for a rookie to to come in and start week one in this league on a, in, in in this league on the offensive line, and and Karras is going to, I think be huge for Cordell Volson. Who's going to be bigger for the other? 
Hayden Hurst for Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow for Hayden Hurst? Yeah, good question. Um, because I think that you can make an argument either way, easily make an argument either way. Yeah, you could. I I think Joe Burrow is going to be bigger for Hayden Hurst. It's it's not like Joe Burrow is in desperate need of of people to target. I mean, he's got three great receivers. He's Mixon's really strong out of the backfield. I think we're going to see Chris Evans take a big leap as as a receiver, um, either out of the backfield or possibly lining up in a slot in some four or five wide situations. So. Um, you see, CJ Uzama had a career year last year, and if 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 Hayden Hurst just repeats those numbers, I, I think you feel great about the situation, and 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 I I think he easily can. Now, he he had Lamar Jackson throw into him in Baltimore. That's that's a solid quarterback, and he had Matt Ryan in, in Atlanta, and it just he always had that other tight end. It was it was you know, a shared position. It's his now. There are tight ends on this roster. Obviously, Drew Sample, Mitch Wilcox. Those guys are more blocking tight ends. They're not going to take targets away from Hayden Hurst. Um, so I, I think him just he'll he'll get more targets. And he's a guy that that just the threat of Jamar Chase, knowing what Joe Burrow is, I think he's he's going to be priority four or five for the defense. And, and Joe Burrow's really going to help Hayden Hurst have not a pro bowl year. Cause there's, I don't think there's enough targets for him to do that, but I, I think we could see him come close to putting up his career numbers, just like CJ did last year. Speaking of the pro bowl, Jay, funny. You mentioned that <laughs> Bengal players and coaches pick who will make their first pro bowl this year. This article was penned by the one and only Jay Morrison. And it was published uh, actually on Tuesday. But uh, I really want to spend a little bit of time on this because I think it's a fascinating subject. Who's next? The Bengals sent three players to the Pro Bowl last year, each of whom would have made the first their first appearance uh, of their career if, you know, the Super Bowl had not interfered, <laughs> writes Jay. Uh, defensive uh, and uh, Trey Hendrickson and running back Joe Mixon were each voted in as reserves in their fifth seasons in the league while rookie Jamar Chase made it as a starter. What I loved about this, Jay, is you went around the locker room and asked some players. And um, I want to get your pick from those you spoke to. Which players did you enjoy speaking to most to on a subject like this? Um, well, we mentioned it before, Mike Thomas. He's just, he's such a good dude. And he he never seems like he's in a hurry um, to, to finish an interview and he'll give you all the time you want. And I didn't make these long. I, a lot of times I approach the guys with the preface of, Hey, can I get one thing from you? And they're like, yeah, sure. I mean, I even got Joe Mixon to talk and he rarely talks. Um, but so that was a good way to kind of start it off. But I, I enjoyed personally the ones where a lot of times it was grabbing a guy by himself. But when you grab a guy, when he's sitting at his locker and, the the guys on either side of him are listening in yes. and they start playing off of each other that's what's really fun and uh that's why the the joseph osai and cam sample part of that story i just like i was like that's got to be the lead in because they they were just having so much fun with it well what's interesting to me about that is sometimes well actually i there's no question i would much rather go up to a player at his locker when he's by himself yeah. If I'm if I'm making chit chat or trying to get to know the guy or ask him a specific, I wouldn't say off the record background question. That's mm -hmm. what I like to call it. When you're asking background on a play or a scheme or something, just to, that's what 
us reporters do in the locker room quite a bit that I don't think a lot of people, you know, watching or listening to this podcast or, you know, hear that podcast growling, the Athletic Bengal podcast, if they're listening to yours, they don't always appreciate that we try to go in and try to learn background on what these players are being asked to do. And I would rather go up to a player when they're at their locker by themselves. This is going way off the beaten path from where yeah. we're talking about but you you understand what i'm saying right i do and because go ahead i mean you it, it it could go both ways because if you are asking something on background that there's an understanding there that you're not going to attribute it to that person and say so and so said you're just it's just the whole uh help me understand and, and a lot of times when you approach it that way i think i think a lot of players think media people think they know it all and w- when you when you kind of show that vulnerability and admit that, Hey, I know you guys know more about, you're not just better at football, you know, more about football and you know more about the scheme for sure than we do. And can you just help me understand this? And they are um, usually receptive to doing that. And you're right. That uh, that's a great time to do it one-on-one, but, but sometimes if there's another one, another guy there, then, then maybe they feel more comfortable saying something on background or off the record. Cause if that person burns them, They've got a witness that says, hey, that was supposed to be yes. background and that was not supposed to be quoted. And so it could go either way. But it, I do feel they they and rarely do you need it's is anything that kind of controversial where you need you, you would hope you would have a witness. But I, I do yeah. think that they open up a little more when it is one on one, because these guys. Uh, for whatever reason, it, it's almost like the teacher's pet kind of thing. Sometimes they they look at the guys that players that talk to the media a lot is um you know kind of like they're sucking up to the media and so a lot of them try to put on that cool face and 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 just act a little different when there's when there's other guys around and so it it goes both ways but it's it's a great this this exercise was a great way to to number one see what the the Bengals think of their teammates and who are the guys that are ready to break out. And it's also a great way, just like you said, just to chit chat and, and get to know them. Cause a lot of times I'd say just one thing and I'd ask them the pro bowl thing. And then when it was over, I would, I would ask them something else, not on the record. We just talk about their right. college team or the time they went to sure. the pro bowl or whatever it was. And it's, it's a great way to kind of work the locker room. I mean, over the course of two, two and a half weeks, I talked to 33 different people. So if you're working on one specific story, sometimes you talk to four or five. So, uh, uh, like recapping the players here that um, are highlighted in your story that players and coaches picked to make their first Pro Bowl. T. Higgins, mm-hmm. I like that one. Jesse Bates. Um, then we move down Cheeto Awuzie. Not surprised yeah. by that. Logan Wilson. So, Logan Wilson, to me, is the most underrated player on that defense, and I think Mm. he is going to have a breakout. He would actually be my pick if you were asking me, and I was in that locker room. I just think he is such a bright player and such an important player in the the middle of that defense. And the aforementioned Ted Karras. What I find interesting about this, um, Jay, is that Jamar Chase picked Ted Karras. For whatever reason, I wouldn't think Jamar Chase was paying that close attention. But obviously, Jamar is a very bright football player. And I'm going to quote Jamar here. I'll say Ted Karras. He's just so smart. I don't think people know how smart he is. And he can be a big help to this offense. Not giving up sacks up the middle is going to be the biggest piece for us. Hmm. Wow. Love it. (laughs) And for people that don't know, Jamar Chase's locker is right next to T. Higgins. 
it would have been very easy for him to just say this guy right here. Um, and because he was he was the popular pick. I, I I I also thought that that was really telling that that Jamar. I mean, yes, you you like to get a cross section of of opinions, but sure. but I it's like anything else. I think the stars' voices carry a little more weight, and when, when they go, I don't want to say off the beaten path because Ted got a few other votes, but um, it it was really interesting to to see Jam, to see Jamar go that way when he very easily could have just thumbed right to his left and said, uh, "This guy right here, T Higgins." Hey, um, do you see these glasses, Jay? I do. Okay. Uh, they're not rose-colored, though a <laughs> lot of people would um, question whether or not I'm looking through rose-colored glasses. <laughs> you know what I'm leading into, right? Mm -hmm. So I had my prediction for 2022, and I went 13-5 and five in 2021, and I was off by three. I went 14 and three yeah. this year. That means they're going 11 and seven or 11 <laughs> and six, excuse me. But I actually, you know, and I, I wrote that because not for clickbait, that's honest to God, not why I did that. But I just think if everything goes well and health is there for this Bengals team, they are an incredibly deep, talented roster. I mean, I don't think there's any denying that, that if Joe Burrow stays upright, he doesn't get hurt. And for the most part, they don't suffer any catastrophic injuries. Uh, you know, they're going to have players that miss time. They're going to have players probably that get knocked out for the rest of the year. That's going to happen. Uh, it's the NFL. But this roster, to me, is a special one. And I want to get your feeling. Is this the most talented roster in Bengal history going into a year? Hmm. That, that 250, 2015 team was pretty good. Now Quarterback. Yeah. Dalton versus Burrow yeah, kind of cha changes things a little bit, but um, I mean, it's right there with it. I, they had more stars on defense um, in 2015, um, but I, I agree with you. It's, it, it's very talented. I it's deep. If you, if you go starter position group by starter position group, but you look at some of those position groups there, there are depth questions there. So that is my concern is, you know, if, if one, position in particular gets ravaged by injuries can can they overcome that right or if it's a a vulnerable position offensive line cornerback tight end that hit, gets hit by injuries how much can that derail them um i i think 13 and 4 is their ceiling and i think 7 and 10 is their floor and i just i i I say it all the time don't bet against joe burrow but i'm kind of betting against joe burrow just because i i things did go so well last year and I, and I, I absolutely think they're going to the playoffs and I think they're, they're right in the mix to win the division. But I just, I think the AFC got so much tougher. The schedule got tougher. Um, there, there's going to be other challenges. I I'm, I'm right in that 10 and seven, 11 and six range. And I'm, I'm leaning more towards 10 and seven. So you say things went really well. And my counter to that is, and I wrote this in, in my column on, on the season prediction there were several games they had no business losing and a couple of other games they could have won had they executed better mm -hmm. and I didn't think that I mean 10 and 7 is about what they were I thought they were a good not great regular season team last year and and I think they got better and That's I think key. they and I think they they improved they significantly upgraded their offensive line if that offensive line gels and stays healthy and they added a better tight end, the receiving tight end, at least, and in Hayden Hurst. And I think they did a lot of things to send the signal to the players in that locker room 
that we are not satisfied with what happened last year. And sometimes to me, Jay, that's the most important message on any championship driven team. We were good, but we weren't good enough. And I think that is going to inspire a guy like Burrow and, and, and the rest of the team. And that's where I'm coming from, you know, putting on those incredibly ugly rose colored glasses, <laughs> uh, gaudy rose colored glasses at 14 and three. Uh, that's where I'm coming from. Just so you know, yeah. you know, because last year we talked about, you know, this it's a young, confident uh, team with a lot of personalities and, and you know, brash and cocky. And if they can get off to a good start, you could really see this thing snowball into something. That's exactly what happened. They got so much better as the year went on and really after the bye, really turned it on. Um, can they do that this year? Because that, that back half of the schedule is so loaded. Yes. And there's as we sit here on September 7th, we say it's so loaded. Things always change. There's games that you think are going to be really hard to win later in the year. And they don't, for whatever reason, another team gets ravaged by injuries or just falls off the table. Uh, teams that you don't think are going to be good. Like the Bengals last year end up being pretty solid, but it, I, I just, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to kind of flip that switch this year and, and, and get, get so much better in the back half of the season with how tough that schedule is. Maybe they do. Maybe, maybe they start strong. I know Paul has them at seven and two at the bye. Um, I had them at eight at one. Yeah. Eight. eight I I think that's realistic. Yeah. Well, I said this happens every year, no matter how good you are, there's a clunker in there and and they will lose to either the Falcons, Panthers, or jets mark it down. They're going to lose one of those games that they should not lose. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's the, uh, the, the, the proverbial wake-up call, um, and, and we saw it a little bit last year with, with the, the Jets game. Um, so we'll see. I just I, – I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against 14-3 and three because, like I said, never bet against Joe Burrow, but I just I, – I think – I mean, it's – It would be really – Highest of high ceilings. Yes, that. it would be I'm really I'm saying hard. that with all due respect. I understand that. But I thought to myself, I've seen a lot of Patriot teams go 14-2, and two. Mm-hmm. And and two of those times they were good, but their division was so bad. Right. There is a scenario where I see the AFC North being the Bengals and everybody else because Pittsburgh's rebuilding. Baltimore has question marks up the wazoo and Cleveland. We all know what's going to happen with, or what's not going to happen with Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson for the first 11 weeks. And you know, their defense is great. The defense can't score points and, you're going to hand the ball to Nick Chubb 40, 45 times a game. He's going to wear out. So uh, those are those would be my concerns about the the opponents in the AFC North. And that's why I think the Bengals, if they take care of business in the division, and you're absolutely right, they have to come out Sunday against the Steelers, guns blazing, and send a message that we're ready to go. Yeah, I, I've got Bengals and, and Ravens right there, um, maybe 51-49 on percentage of winning the division um, between those two. And then I, I just keep saying, don't sleep on the Steelers, especially if they come in and beat Cincinnati in week one. Let's not forget, they were a playoff team last year and they got better at quarterback. Everybody says their big question is at quarterback, and it was, well, who's it going to be, Trubisky or Pickett? Whichever one it is, it's going to be better than what Ben Roethlisberger was last yeah. year. He was on fumes. He didn't have the arm strength. Um, they've got a terrific defense. Uh, Mike Tomlin never had a losing season. I just, I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Steelers and they could yep. really send a wake up call to this division. If they go in and beat the Bengals in week one. All right. He is Jay Morrison. He does an amazing job covering the Bengals for the athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Jay Morrison, ATH. 
all one word. I'm looking forward to covering the season with you, my man. Yep, same, Trags. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Uh, and he is Jay Morrison. I'm Mike Petralia Trags. Thanks for watching this episode, this edition of the Jungle Bora Podcast.